first of all, the healed feminine is going to heal this planet. Not just women, the healed feminine, almost especially in men. Can I deviate away from my conditioned normalcy? And can I start looking at a much deeper intimacy? When you look inside your heart, you see that your heart really loves life and really embraces life and doesn't have that same fear and that that's really the, the source of your courage. You first travel into the shadow. How is that, how is that, how is that impacting my life? It really shifts the energy so quickly in the mind, in the body. It's because you're not dismissing, you're not fighting the ego, you're not fighting the small self. You're welcoming it in, but you're just saying, hey, I actually know what I want and I'm choosing to change that for myself. Hey Soul Family, this is your host, Nick Walker, and welcome to the Soul Food for Thought podcast, the hub of all things physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. The mission here is simple. How can we tap into our highest power and well-being as individuals and leverage that foundation to create more joy, freedom, love, fulfillment, and success? Not only for ourselves, but for the world at large. So in today's episode, I bring you Soulful Veda. And this is, the, this is a team um, of ladies named Angelica and Rachel. And in this episode, we go super deep into Ayurveda. We go deep into finding your inner healer and just being able to, you know, to, to gain an understanding um, of, you know, like how it is that our body is interacting with our environment. And, you know, of course, not being too dogmatic about it and being victim to all of these ideas within our mind about what's happening on the outside and how we're going to be influenced and how we're going to be impacted but it's really being able to just tap into that um you know it's, it's about balance right it's about logic and also intuition you know um and so yeah enjoy this episode um with angelica and rachel and another note, which I think is just important for me to mention, <laughs> this episode was recorded in January of 2021, and right now I'm recording this intro in April of 2021, and so it's interesting because part of me kind of has to sit with that discomfort of like people not really listening to something that is as alive that makes sense um because the version of me that was you know <laughs> in this recording um you know i have love for that aspect of me for that version of me but i have to be honest i'm it's it's much different right um but you know nonetheless the energy you know i i i suppose will be received by you and yeah, you know, I, I, I hope you're able to, you know, to, to gain something from this episode, regardless of when it was recorded. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's an interesting thing. Like in the podcasting world, it's like a lot of the, po- you know, whenever I, whenever I make these podcast releases, it's like, it's very well that I, that I recorded the actual show like several months before. It's just like so many get stuck in the backlog. Um, so yeah, it's usually how it goes. Um, But without further ado, 
enjoy this episode, Finding Your Inner Healer, Connecting with Your Inner Healer, with Soulful Veda, Angelica and Rachel. Thank you. Everyone, welcome to the Soul Food for Thought podcast. And today I bring you the Soul Veda team. (laughs) So we have Angelica and Rachel, and they are Ayurvedic specialists, and they're also podcast hosts. And I, and, so and, and I and I don't want and I don't want to dwindle them to just that, <laughs> but based on my um, my research um, and looking into like what you guys do, um, yeah, that that's my intro. But I'd love to hear from you guys. Like, thank you for being here. And sorry for interrupting you, Angelica. Um, but yeah. Oh no worries at all. I was just saying thank you so much for having us, and we're honored to be here. And. You nailed it. Although we, no one likes to be put into boxes, I think Ayurveda is a pretty good box to be put into. And that kind of is, we like to think of Ayurveda as the umbrella to everything else. So yes, we're intuitives. Yes, we're healers. But Ayurveda kind of encompasses it all. So you nailed it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I guess we'll start with Angelica. Um, but I want to ask each of you, who are you and how would you describe your relationship with the divine? Oh, wow. How special. Um, so I feel like my truth really comes from being a, a light being, which is something that I am kind of more recently discovering, but it, it feels like home. Um, and I've always felt like I've kind of had an older soul and traveling through many lifetimes. And like the more I get older, I start to reveal and I start to collect of living in ancient civilizations and being a healer in multiple lifetimes and having Ayurveda and everything. So who am I is like a, it's an interesting thing because I feel like I'm a culmination of all these things that have come together that, you know, it's just that constantly unraveling of the soul's evolution. Um, and yeah, what in this lifetime though, I guess what's most important for the listeners is I'm an Ayurvedic healer. Um, I was brought to Ayurveda and healing my own imbalances, much like Rachel. And it was through that self-study where I realized that this knowledge is so expansive and ever-evolving and that by nature, how dynamic it is, is exactly why I'm drawn to it. Because I know that there's just endless more realms of the Vedas that I can go into. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now, is studying Ayurveda more and deeper. And specifically, more recently, I've been studying the science of light, um, which is another Vedic um, form of knowledge and understanding astrology. And I'm here to heal. I'm here to empower others to remind that they can heal themselves. They just have to be guided towards the wisdom. And once they understand what we like to call the intuitive template in Ayurveda and using the yoga practices in Tanam, then they start to discover their true essence, their true self. And that is where all of the divinity lies. And so I see the divine when I see the divine in others. So it's pretty much my soul's purpose is to, in finding my authentic self, I help others find their authentic self as well. Thank you. I love how embodied you are. And I really felt that like, I I really feel that um, it's admirable, you know, how deeply it seems that you know yourself. Oh, thank you so much. 
And I'll add to that that it's funny when Angelica describes herself as this old soul, because if I were to describe myself, I see more of like a child um, and have very like a playful, creative, um, doer spirit. So we're really good balance of each other, especially in business. And um, I think there's a lot of ways to describe myself, but I think you know, multi-passionate being is like the one that's popping into my head right now. So we're going to go with that. Um, and similar to Angelica, yes, studied Ayurveda, holistic nutrition, Reiki, all of those things on my own path. And I think my purpose here now, at least at this time and, you know, point in my life is to really build something that's focused on others to help them go through that same empowerment process that we were able to go through and to inspire them to become their own inner healers and doing that through leadership, through community, but really it's about putting the power back into their hands. I think that's something that's really been missing and it's so crucial. And Angelica and I have talked about this so much already in 2021, but that's really our mission for this year and maybe beyond this year. And it just lights me up to talk about it and to put that energy out there. So um, that's who I am. And as far as my connection to the divine, um, I think it's an ever evolving thing. And my, my word for this year, when we picked words was trust. And I'm really, I think, starting to settle into that and that it's, it's changing, but it's really, you know, pausing on looking outside of myself for that external validation and coming back to that that wisdom within and so it's an unlearning and a relearning um and that process of just coming back to who i am shedding a lot of things that were never me to begin with which you know i'm sure we'll get into when we talk about our own spiritual journeys but that can be heavy it can be messy it can be ugly all of those things but it's also really beautiful and once you have that pull it's like you can't trade it for anything in the world so yeah i think my connection is just you know, it's part of me being that child. And with that comes all of that unlearning, all of that unconditioning. So mm-hmm. well, that answer is okay. I love that. It sounds, I, I'm sensing like Veda, Ve, is it Veda? Veda, Veda? vibes? Yeah. Like the dosha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, but I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that. I'm, I can't be the judge of that. Um, but I love, you know, what I'm picking up from what you're saying is just like, and, and what I can really relate to is like this understanding, just trying to like understand the self and like what we are and like what this is. And recently, I mean, I've really kind of been going through this, through this like crevice of reality where it's like, I'm realizing that there's still like so much more about myself that I don't really understand. And these parts of me that I just like don't know. And it can honestly be like kind of, scary in those places sometimes yeah totally and i think sometimes you know part of that trust factor i was talking about is letting yourself sit in that unknown and be in that void and be okay with it because if you were to have all the answers and know all the things kind of takes the fun out of life right and some people like to know more than others um and jock and i are good representations of this but you know if we lose that surprise then we also lose that delight and the fun that it is to be human otherwise we would just be spirit and we wouldn't need to be here and so it's it's learning to surrender to that unknown while also discovering those parts of yourself as they're meant to be revealed to you so i think yeah a lot of us can relate to where you're at in that journey myself included mm-hmm. it's like uh and so i think this flows beautifully into a question that i have about how ayurveda relates to the seasons whether you call like whether it's like 
the weather you know what i mean or like just like these seasons that we go through of like destruction and creation so you know winter spring fall like whatever all those things and so i just think it's fascinating like the like these cycles that we go through of like you know what i mean so i'm curious to hear like how you guys understand that in relation to ayurveda yeah, it's so beautiful because the doshas are constantly doing a dance and there's so many reflections of them. So that's why it's so important to understand the doshas because it's not just understanding which dosha you feel dominantly pulled to. It's how can I see the doshas in everything? And really the doshas come down to the five elements. So for those who are familiar with more Eastern medicine, we use the five elements of earth, water, fire, air, and ether. It's kind of similar to Chinese herb medicine, except um, I believe it's ether and metal are swapped out. So in understanding these elements, two elements combined equate to a dosha. So earth and water is kappa, pitta, and a little bit of pitta is fire and a little bit of water. And then vata is air and ether. And so when we are first teaching this intuitive template to our students, to our light workers, we have them first identify it in themselves because that's how we, we know ourselves the most out of anyone. So it's the easiest. And then after that, we start to see, okay, where is it in every aspect of our life and in our environment, um, like our diet that we're eating, um, the quality of life that we have. So like, am I, am I in this pit of mindset where I'm just like, go, 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 do, 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 or I'm in this vata state where I'm like anxiety induced and stress induced, or I'm in the kappa state, maybe a little more stagnant, stagnant and lethargic. And we see this also in the seasons. So for example, the seasons start in fall with um, vata season, and we can see that. So vata is that air and ether, and you know, it, with vata in you know, the Western hemisphere, it's very much having like the coldness and the dryness, um, the leaves start to fall, right? There's a sense of destruction. Um, and that's where we see kind of like routine and stability are really helpful. Like naturally our Western world does incorporate routine because it's back to school schedule. People have um, that fall cleaning sense and they get really organized in their schedules. We're also kind of hitting Virgo season. So it kind of all makes sense and it comes together. Um, and then once we're in um, out of Vata season, we go into Kappa season. So Kappa season officially starts in the spring. Now, depending where you're at for the winter though, you'll be able to take on more Vata or a Kappa kind of just depends on more of your constitution, what doshas you have within you, um, and all the other environmental factors at play. But if you're feeling more like dense, heavy, lethargic, and slow, you'll feel more of the kapha energy in the wintertime. And if you're feeling more of that like lightness and um, kind of erratic mind, it's kind of hard to settle, you feel you're going from one thing to the next, it's definitely gonna be more of a vata winter season for you. And when we come into full kappa season in the spring, it makes sense because in the majority part of the Western Hemisphere, the snow starts to melt, which is very much kappa nature. It's bringing down that water quality, right? All that coldness and that, that dryness, it's now being dissipated. And so that's why we have the springtime and it's spring cleaning. It's one of the best times to cleanse in Ayurveda because we naturally have the kappa dosha. And so we can really cleanse the kappa dosha with Ayurvedic cleanses. And it's around this time too, we wanna to find more lightness. We wanna find more of that fire again, right? Finding inspiration, seeing the flowers bloom. Um, it, it all comes together. And then finally we have Pitta is represented by the summer of course because it's the hottest and so 
Um, we're going to experience more heat. We're going to experience uh, faster um, digestion. We're going to experience maybe like rashes and stuff. And this is indicative of the pitta. And so in Ayurveda and healing all this, it's all about how can we balance um, the doshas that are within us and around us. So for example, when we're already in pitta season and if you're already a pitta and you're feeling all that heat and your body is really responding to the heat, maybe you have burning indigestion, maybe you have some acne, some rashes, inflammation. How can we balance that with the other elements with some water to cool down that fire and some earth to bring it some stability? And that is where the magic of Ayurveda comes from because there's no right or wrong. You are constantly just playing and in this beautiful dance with all the elements. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, I, I, I like how flexible it is, you know? Because it's like you... Um, I guess it's helpful to know that you're not like just like one of these doshas or aspects, mm-hmm. but that like you're a mix of all of them. And it's just like, I guess it was really trying to understand like that relationship between you and everything around you and like having fun with it, you know? Yeah, totally. I, I think that having fun quality is so important because everyone kind of seems like this ancient wisdom and science is being mundane and boring and oh you have all these rules and how do you fit in all these practices and missing missing the ball game you know you're missing the the target on the mark completely it's supposed to be fun you're supposed to have flexibility and that fluidity with it right as long as like i i I mean i guess like perhaps except for the times where it's like you have this intuitive knowing about what your body naturally wants, but your ego is going against it. Mm. So like literally all day this morning, like I wanted to eat. My mind wanted to eat my, and my body didn't. And I really had to like literally like almost like wrestle with myself. You know what I mean? And like be like get into this space of like, okay, like just open, like it's okay. You, you're okay without food before this podcast. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's interesting that you're, you know, one in tune with those body signals, but you can also look deeper. And this is what's interesting about Ayurveda is, you know, we so easily gravitate toward the body because it's what we understand. It's very 3D. It's very tangible. It's very physical. But Ayurveda also brings in the science and wisdom of the mind and the soul. And so when you think about using your example, you were hungry, right? you know, food represents the way that we nourish ourselves. And so maybe what you were really craving this morning, and you can answer this for us, is maybe you needed a little self-care, a little self-love. Maybe you were physically hungry. Maybe your soul was craving something. Maybe it was a little bit of time with yourself, um, things like that. And so, you know, your cravings are there for a reason, but I think sometimes we misinterpret them. Um, And another example could be, you know, a lot of people have sweet cravings and i won't go into all of the ayurvedic taste but when you think about what the sweet taste is in ayurveda it's earth and water and so oftentimes we maybe do want that sweet taste but in the form of maybe root vegetables or some rounding rice and ghee or maybe something that's not food at all maybe it's we want a nice oil massage or we want to take a really luxurious ritual bath and so you can see how the body's not wrong it's the way that we've conditioned our minds to think about the cravings and what they mean or what we think we want and so we think sweet and we're like oh it's time for ice cream when really the body's trying to say like I want some nourishing like foods, things like that. Wow. I never knew that. That is so powerful. So Do you know what? 
this morning you were craving or now that you look back at it? I know it can be, it's more of an in-depth mm. question. It's interesting because I don't know. And, and honestly, like, I feel like, like sometimes it's very easy for me to have that answer. But lately, like, it feels like I've been going so deep where it's like, I, like, sometimes I just don't even know anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, um, and part of me like wants to be able to stand here and like, say that, you know, say that I have all the answers that I have it all figured out. But I mean, last night, for example, you know, I was kind of dealing with this bout of wanting to compulsively eat. You know what I mean? Like I, I really wanted more and more food and I just knew that like, I don't need it. You know what I mean? And all these stories came up, um, you know, the story of, you know, you don't give yourself enough pleasure. There's probably some truth to that. Um, the story of, you know, sometimes you may actually restrict yourself from eating out of fear that you will slip into a bout of compulsive eating that there's also probably some truth to that, you know? Um, but the highest truth, you know, no matter what seemed to be that I didn't really need to eat food. And so I really had to sit, I had to, I had to sit with that and let all of those emotions come up and just be okay with not having an answer as to why, you know, maybe I wanted connection, maybe, I, I don't know, but yeah, I, I really relate to that because I suffered from disordered eating for a few years and really was keen on trying diet after diet. And the more diets I tried, the more controlled I got. And so eventually getting to the place where it was like very strict keto and then very strict vegan and I, food was constantly on my mind. And now when I look at my relationship with food, which is something we can definitely dive into because Ayurveda does such a good job at understanding how the relationship with food and how we show up to our plate in our meal time is sacred and really affects the Agni or the Ayurvedic word for metabolism or digestion impacts our, our health overall. Um, but I spent so much time kind of having that same conversation you were describing, right? Like or how many calories is this? Or is this over my carb limit for the day? Or, oh my gosh, like I already had this, so I can't have this, or I can't have dark chocolate later. And the mind starts to go on that repeat, right? And so I think from the spiritual perspective for me, not saying this is true for everyone, but I was trying to fill a void with food when really the only way that void could be filled was something like filling it with dharma or spiritual practices, or uh, for me, it was other things, you know, for everyone, it, it could be something different, but I just, you know, really relate to your story in that way. And I think a lot of people do. And can. Yes, thank you so much for sharing that because I mean I I totally relate to that. It's like um you know, I've definitely gained so much clarity on this, but like it used to be so much, you know, micromanaging of my food and like like your example of like, you know, I had this earlier today, so I cannot have this food tonight and I must eat again at 6.05 p.m. You know what I mean? There's like all like these different things that take us away from that nature of the body that like kind of knows what it wants. You know what I mean? Or it's like, yeah. oh my God, there are, you know, there need to be five more grams of protein in this meal or else like, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And it's funny because when I lived like that, my body didn't look or feel the way I wanted it to. And now that I've released a lot of those things after a lot of work, I'm not saying it's it's easy, but you know, the practices are simple to be able to release that and do that. It's like now my body came back to its homeostasis to that place of balance and it looks and feels better than ever. And I spend 
way less time thinking about food and all of those things that I used to expend a lot of energy on. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, what are some of the, you know, how did you really come into that place of, you know, more intuitive eating? You know, obviously there's no, there's no like black and white or crystal clear answer to that, but I'm curious how you navigated that, you know, with Ayurvedic principles and also just like, you know, through your own intuition. Yeah, so um, the truth is that I met my beautiful partner, Angelica, and that's who, who helped me. Um, but it was after years of trying all of the things. And I started, like I shared, with diet and with exercise. That's how I initially got into yoga and becoming a yoga instructor. And I just, I really wanted to try everything on until I found the thing that works. And I'm very intellectual, so I just kept ingesting more knowledge, hoping that the more I knew, you know, the writer I got about what was right for me, and I just kept trying all of these things. And it got to the point where after years of that not working, despite, you know, really going ham in the gym and getting super strict with my diet, like I still wasn't feeling good. And then Universe sent me Angelica, we worked at the same yoga studio, and I went into her class one day when I normally don't. And she looked at me, she's like, hey, I, I thought of you, I channeled you here. And I'm like, okay, cool, what, kind of a weird thing to say. I haven't seen you in a while, but whatever. And at the beginning of class, she was talking about how she just got back from California, which is where she was studying Ayurveda at the California College of Ayurveda. And the word stuck with me the entire 75 minute practice. And so afterwards, and her Saturday class was totally packed, but I like, you know, worked my way through the crowd. I'm like, wait, tell me about that thing you were talking about at the beginning of class. And we, you know, sort of talked about it then, but eventually got to the place where I began seeing her as a client. And when she started helping me understand that I was burnt out and I was experiencing a pitta imbalance, it was like relearning a language that I had known my whole life, but just, you know, there was like a wall up and she broke down the wall for me. And as soon as I realized that and it started to click everything became super intuitive i was like oh okay if i have too much fire like i just need to add in the opposing qualities and that's what you know angelica was referring to when she said the intuitive template of ayurveda that we teach our clients that's really what you're using and it becomes so simple and like that's why i love things you know if you know you have this going on like let's tap into that energy and then let's use the opposing energy and it takes you know a while to get used to that new cycle and those patterns but it really works and once i saw the the proof was in that pudding i was ready to eat that pudding every day so you know that's how it kind of even came to loving ayurveda myself studied it we started this business and now on the other side of being the healer and the teacher yes i love that um okay so i really want to go deep with you guys on some of those imbalances so if there is a clear way in which you guys could kind of um, highlight like each of the different, yeah, each of the different imbalances. So like, let's, you know, water, fire, you know, all of those things. So we'll start with Pitta because that was the imbalance that mainly Rachel and I both have. And if we ever get out of balance, it's one that we tend towards. So Pitta is made up of fire and a little bit of water and typical physical imbalances, which is usually how we come to terms with it is because it comes up loud and clear that way. So physically in our body may show up as acne, inflammation, which I know is a broad term because there's so many chronic conditions now with inflammation. So yeah, you can imagine how expansive pitta imbalances can go. Um, 
burning indigestion, also things like IBS and ulcerative colitis, things that kind of have this like almost bleeding, internal bleeding nature to them. A lot of the heat and the fire um, and the burning of the tissue internally um, and externally is always going to be related to Pitta. Now, emotionally, when a Pitta is out of balance, they're going to feel angry, hot-headed, short fuse, maybe have a temper, um, can be critical, can be blaming, even to oneself too. They might not always project it onto others, but that internal dialogue is really critical, really blaming of themselves, really harsh. And where we see this, um, you know, physically in their bodies, when... A typical pitta as their constitution they can they're really athletic right and they have that mindset of like work hard and play hard that's really where a lot of their um their root causes come from they think that in order for me to be successful i have to work really hard at it and so when we look at all these aspects of the physical body and the mind this is what a, a pitta imbalance is and i think that a lot of our western world relates to this because our culture is set up that you thrive if you believe in that mindset and that mentality that nine to five work 60 plus hours a week um all about succeeding getting up on the ladder all that stuff so what happens when we overplay this fire for too long it burns us out and that's what rachel and i both experienced so i experienced ibs and then eventually amenorrhea which is a lack of menstruation for three years until i had my next menses um and rachel is experiencing acid reflux and heartburn um which then led to insomnia so yeah, for mainly for pittas, that is kind of like the gist of, of when and when they come to us. And then for vatas, vatas made up of air and ether. Um, this is actually majority of the diseases. About ninety percent of diseases actually are related to vatas because it has a lot to do with stress and anxiety. So the mental imbalance in vatas. It's just that there's so much thought, there's so much movement in the mind. We're constantly thinking about one thing to the next. We're not in the present moment. It's all Vata energy. So you could say that majority of our clients are, are usually Vata imbalances. And physically in the body, they'll experience bloating, they'll experience gas and constipation. And that's because there's that dryness from the air and the ether, right? What happens when we don't have that um, water to lubricate the GI tract or the earth to really ground it and get things moving downward, um, it exasperates and it stays in the GI tract. Vatas can also experience things like dry skin, um, cold temperatures in their body. And really the, the mindset that kind of is the crux of Vatas is they believe that if I commit to something, then I won't have my freedom, right? So they think like, oh gosh, if I give myself structure, um, then I'm going to lose my creativity because Vatas are known to have like a lot of creative energy. So um, when we work with Vatas, we really work with trying to find stability for them to build that sense of trust with themselves so that they can build the structure for themselves so all their creative ideas can come into fruition. Um, and then for kappas, kappas imbalances in the physical body um, a lot of times can manifest as weight gain, can manifest as swelling, um, and just feeling lethargic, you know, and there's a difference. Every single dosha can feel that low energy, right? Pittas can experience that burnout, that's low energy. And then vatas can experience fatigue. They're just like the energizer bunny. They have so much energy and then it just like, psh, just completely dips off. And then for kappas, kappas tend to find like more of a lethargic sense. And what this root cause comes from is from them giving too much, right? So kappas have this like, 
undying love within them. It's so beautiful and they love to nurture and help and support their community and their family and their friends. But when that well runs dry, then they don't have anything to get to themselves. And then they're like, oh, I'm so lazy. I don't have all this energy. And the deeper reason is that if they cared for themselves first and fill their own cup, then they would have the energy um, to give out to all those others. And so these are just a near snapshot of the doshas just to get everyone a taste. And I also kind of want to talk about that this is a current imbalance. So this is often the most um, controversial, not controversial, but misconception, I think, in Ayurveda is that we have a constitution and then we also have a current imbalance. And so the current imbalance is the dance, the doshas. So when you were born in your mother's womb, you're given a unique percentages of all those doshas, right? And that's your constitution. That's who you are. It's like your astrological birth chart. It's written on the stars. It's who you are. And it doesn't mean you are 33% of each of the doshas. It can mean that you're predominantly pitta, and then you have both even vata and kappa. It can mean that you're jewel dosha, that you feel predominant in kappa and pitta, and then just a little bit of vata. So everyone's unique, and if you go to an Ayurvedic practitioner, they will give you your unique percentages. Now, it's important to know that because when we understand ourselves deeper, we're like, okay, I know I have this tendency to like overwork myself and like burn out, so I can find more compassion and love for myself. It's beautiful. What's more important when you're first learning is to understand your current imbalance. So for those who are listening and whichever one of the doshas that I described where you're like, okay, currently right now in my life, I'm feeling that one a lot. Even if you've probably felt all of them, I would hope, at a certain point in your life, um, like more vata, more anxiety induced, more overwhelmed, maybe gas and bloating, constipated. Um, and then maybe at other times you're feeling more kappa, just lazy, lethargic, um, maybe weight gain, any type of respiratory issues as well has to do with kappa. So running in the nose, constant cold, mucus, allergies, kappa. Um, and then for pitta, if you're feeling like you have more of the acne and the inflammation, burning out, working too hard, laser focus on just one project at a time, then you're in the pitta stage. So these constantly do a dance and you're what you're trying to heal is in the now. What is present for me right now in this past week or in these past couple, in this past month? And how can I bring in the opposite elements to heal them? So well put. Thank you, Angelica. Excuse this quick gap. This is your host, Nick Walker speaking. And in the middle of this podcast conversation, there was a brief interruption. So I had to pause for a moment so we will pick up we will pick up right where we left off um in just a minute here so excuse the gap in conversation and enjoy the rest of the show yeah i think a lot um at least like so far in this year i feel like a lot of vata energy has been coming up for a lot of people just because it's been kind of chaos Mm -hmm. um where else have you kind of felt the vata energy though um (laughs) Honestly, like predominantly like today and last night, mm-hmm. just like, I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with those moments where it just seems like your thoughts are like almost like extra attached to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it's super interesting. Um, okay, so I want to go over some Ayurvedic practices that anyone can apply to their life. So like no matter what your dosha is, I'm curious like what principles or ideas um, 
that you guys would like recommend to people? So the greatest thing about Ayurveda and a lot of people kind of get confused because they first come to us and they think Ayurveda is all about food and that's certainly one beautiful aspect of it and a great way for us to better understand ourselves like understanding our food cravings understanding the way the mind works is through the lens of the food and what's crazy though about our digestion is that 90% of how we digest our food is how we eat our food and 10% is what we eat. So what I mean by that is that 10% of what we eat is actually like the diet. And so in Ayurveda, we call this the six tastes. It's about incorporating the six tastes in every dish, but you favor the three tastes that are aligned with your dosha. And I know everyone's so eager to know what foods I should be eating because that's what our whole Western mind is fixated on but 90 percent of how you digest your food is how are you eating your food um what environment do you have your food in what energetics are you taking in because you are taking in way more than just your taste sense in a meal i guarantee it because you're taking in all the energies of the people you may be communing with you're taking the energies of your environment the sound the smell your vision Mm-hmm. the feeling all these things come into play and so we call this the conscious eating habits and we start with this first actually with healing any of our clients is understanding and there's 10 of them and we're going to give three that are calling the most and i think during this kind of vata induced time where people may feel I'm grounded and there's lots of energy upgrades happening all the time. I know myself, I'm still, I get bouts of insomnia and I for sure had that last night as well. So um, to keep us grounded and to heal those imbalances, one of the best recommendations is eating in a calm and peaceful environment. So most of the time we're running, we're on the go, we're grabbing snacks off the go and we don't have the time just to sit and relax and our body can only digest one thing at a time so if you're trying to finish off your to-do list work in front of your computer or fly out the door while eating a breakfast bar you're not going to digest that meal as optimally as you could if you were just completely immersed in that experience and that's really what like meditation is that's what yoga practice is right what if you took that time for yourself as that time for you to connect with your food to become one as a as a time to really connect with source. And so that can look as easy as grinding down and sitting down can be huge, especially if you have a vata imbalance, you're probably already eating on the go and standing up. Um, It can also look like putting on music, um, eating with the lights on or lights off with a candle. If you're into human design, there's, you know, a whole spectrum of how you can eat your meal and properly digest it. And we love human design. So if you are into that, definitely use that um, with that as well. And then the second one I want to give is saying gratitude for your meal, or at least taking three to five breaths before your meal. So I know I have this um, issue as well. Like I'm so hungry, right? I have this strong pet to appetite. When I'm hungry, it's like go time. And I kind of just want to gobble up my food right away just because I want that energy so bad. And I love the way it tastes and all that yumminess. And I miss the grounding. And so I'm taking in all this food and it's not digesting properly. So when you take those breaths and you express that gratitude for a meal, you, you open yourself up to the experience of the meal and you connect so much deeper to the food that has become part of your tissues in the body. So it just, it deeply roots you back into your intention for it. And then, um, the last one I like to give is, um, 
winning at least three hours between each meal. And this is if you're experiencing constant fatigue and if you like to be kind of a grazer um, a lot throughout the day and and not if you're working on having like five to six meals, um, if you have like low blood sugar or something like that, like totally honor that and give yourself time to to have those meals. But if it seems more erratic and chaos and unorganized, um, when you actually, every single time you eat food, if you don't give yourself that break to digest, then you are putting more work on the system and it doesn't have the energy to break down all that food that you're putting in. So taking at least three hours in between each of your meals will restore your energy and your vitality. Um, we call this Ojas and Ayurveda. And yeah, it works night and day with the energy levels. So those would be my three mm. conscious eating habits. Yes, I love this topic because it... <laughs> I used to have so much, I feel like, almost disrespect at least from my perspective like a disrespect or like a dishonoring of my food um and so honestly like it, it kind of makes me like uncomfortable it triggers me a little bit whenever i you know see people who are like on like a zoom meeting like eating their lunch you know what i mean it's like i can have compassion for that but it makes me uncomfortable because i just know that that would not make me comfortable at all um First of all, because I, I realize that if I am not fully grounded and, you know, kind of like embodied in that experience of enjoying the food, I'm only going to want more of it because I, I'm not, it's like I'm not even tasting it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, my mind can be so fragmented and it's like I, I'm not there. Um, and then on top of that, like, yes, I love like how there are so many different factors that we have to think about. So it's like the temperature. You know what I mean? The, um, and the sounds around you. Like, so you mentioned human design. Like, I'm very sensitive to sound. And so, like, I was at a restaurant the other night with my friend. And we were sitting at the table. And there was, like, this loud-ass music playing in the restaurant. Like, I literally, like, the table was, like, vibrating. And I'm like, okay, like, we need to, like, move tables. You know what I mean? Because, like, it's just, like, even the smallest things, you know? Um... And also what I think is interesting, though, is like, yes, there are all these factors that can impact, you know, whatever. But sometimes I almost like to look at it um, kind of like a, a challenge almost. So being able because the mind can get very incessant, right? And be and try to micromanage the whole thing and to be per perfectionistic about it which could cause some unnecessary stress. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, maybe there is a lawnmower outside right now and maybe I can't control that. So can I So can I find that presence? Can I find that clarity anyway? You know what I mean? Can I create this space myself? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of like whenever someone first starts meditating, they're like, oh, well, every time I meditate, you know, the person who lives underneath me just won't stop like carrying weights or moving furniture or something like that, right? And like all that stuff comes up to the surface. So it's funny because we get triggered all the time. So it only makes sense that when we first start evolving and we start taking that next level that there's, we get triggered still and these things come up to the surface so they can be released. And then you start to notice like, oh, they're doing work again outside my house. I didn't even notice anymore. <laughs> yeah. And it's so powerful to start to see every single one of those triggers as things that are trying to help you 
and and I, I see how that very powerfully ties into Ayurveda because it's like, okay, like what do I need to balance here, you know? Um, but for me, like last night, <laughs> I was laying in my bed and it was probably like 11 p.m. And I I would say that I'm very sensitive. Like I, I, and I don't like to come at it from like a victim mentality, but I'm just being honest. Like I'm extremely sensitive to sound. And so I was like laying in my in my bed and I I literally felt like I was feeling and perceiving like my entire apartment building. Like I felt like I was hearing like everything and I was, I mean, there was so much emotion that was coming up for me. And it was very easy for me to kind of get in that victim mode of like, oh my God, like why is all of this happening? You know what I mean? But I had to look at that as an opportunity to be like, okay, like to some degree, to some extent, this external reality is reflecting what's already within because what was within me, like I mentioned earlier on the podcast is I really wanted to eat food and I knew that I, I shouldn't have eaten it. You know what I mean? Or, or it wasn't in my highest good to eat more. And so I just saw that resistance is like, okay, like I need to be able to sit with this and to, you know, I would describe that as like a super Veda state, you know, but yeah. Yeah, I love that. And that's exactly what we do. I mean, that happened so quickly for you. So that's amazing that you got yourself out of the victim mindset and say, how can I use this as an opportunity? What is this showing me of what I need to heal? And oftentimes when we get triggered by other people, it's because they're bringing out in us, they're just mirrors, right? They're reflecting exactly what needs to be healed. So what am I not looking at in myself? Like, what can I, and you brought it up, this is a perfect example, because you were like, I was triggered by, you know, me not being a perfectionist in my food or, you know, blaming myself for not having the most proportion, whatever it was. But really when you can release that judgment and all it takes is that release like okay well, i'm used to feel this irritation this frustration i know it's not so much about the neighbor next door it's deeper when i can release that charge from me and we call this technique that we use a lot with our clients the feel release and transcend you feel that charge and once you release it from your body then you can transcend so you did exactly that you went into the sign and said okay how can i see this as an opportunity how can I actually feel and evolve and grow in a, in a really bigger way? And that comes from love and compassion. Okay, how can I empathize where these people are coming from? They probably don't understand that I can hear everything that they're saying, blah, blah, blah. And then your compassion, your love starts to grow and that's where the soul's evolution really begins to take place. Yes, so powerful. And, and that's kind of alive for me right now. It's like during this podcast, <laughs> I, again, it's kind of that Veda energy. Like I feel like during this podcast, like I would say more so than than most of my podcasts, I've been like it's just ego trigger, 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 because it's almost like that perfectionist within me that wants to like. I mean, first of all, like doing a podcast with like two different people on two different like Zoom windows is like like it, it's new for me. You know what I mean? And so like it's just like adjusting like dealing with all the technology and feeling like I'm not doing everything perfectly and that I'm not expressing myself in the right way and, you know, worrying about, you know, not being judged by different people and all of these things. And so, like you said, it felt good to, to see it from that lens of like trying to, of it trying to help me and then allowing it to release. And so like literally verb, like, like saying, um, you know, whatever it is that I said earlier, like just expressing, uh, 
the truth about my experience, you know? Yeah, and I really see this perfectionist tendency come up a lot with Vata, Pitta, and balances because Pitta likes everything to be perfect. They work really hard. But when that goes to an extreme, then their mind gets so crazy because it gets caught up in every little detail and it constantly runs in their mind. And so when healing this, it really comes to, which you have such a great state of doing this, of bringing that calmness and that love and compassion. And like Rachel was saying in the beginning of the podcast, like trusting you know, like trusting yourself and trusting your intuition and trusting the mystery of it. What if I was supposed to hiccup? What if I was supposed to say that? What if I was supposed to laugh and giggle? Like that is where all that like easeful and grace starts to flow. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious. So I want to get like a little bit of a better understanding of like my natural constitution. So I'm just going to list out like some qualities about me, like some trends, some patterns that I've noticed. So I feel like I have a disposition for like cold temperatures, like generally, like I, I, I can deal with the cold, but I prefer being warm, like by far. Um, I would say in general, I feel pretty grounded. Like I, I definitely feel like very drawn to, I would say like water and earth generally, like I, I kind of just like the like chill and like ground. Like, yes, there are those times where I can be very playful, very energetic, but um, it feels better whenever everything's kind of just like relaxed and under control. I love like comfort food, like comfort food is like my thing, you know what I mean? And food in general, honestly. Um, So yeah, off the top of my head, those are some things. I love that. Um, Well, just I have to give this little... um, this claim ahead of time that it would to go deep into your constitution it'd be like an hour and a half thing and i just say that out of respect for the science mm-hmm. um and if you even do an in-person consultation an ayurveda practitioner will take your pulse and look at your tongue so there's there's all these things but even you're just defining that personality type and something that i picked up on when we first even just started talking um so much kappa right because you talk so smooth and calm um and clear like i didn't even know that you had this more vata things going in your mind which is crazy that we didn't know because you have just that cool calm and collected kind of way about you and you do have this like also nurturing way to your voice and you bring in love and compassion um yeah, and, and mainly the quality of your speech, too, I can tell right off the bat. Because Avata would be flying, Avata, I would love to see um, in a podcast actually fly from one topic to the next. Pittas are also really good speakers. They speak really clearly and they get really to the point, but they're kind of sharp. They, they get to the point and they and they zip it and they end it and and that's it. They're like efficiency and I'm out of there. Um, so yeah, I totally see the couple qualities in you. Does that resonate with you? Totally, yeah. And then I notice, okay, so you're saying that is Pitta, you, would you say like more perfectionistic and detail oriented than Veda? So Pitta, yes. So it kind of depends. I think the perfectionist tendencies can be a Pitta, Vata, dual imbalance it's usually what i see but everyone's so specific right it's really understanding the quality of it so i'd love to hear more from you more examples of where you see your perfectionist tendencies coming through i would say there is this huge uh, at times i will notice this 
there is a huge perfectionistic tendency to like like an overarching one you know what i mean so like on the spiritual journey on this path i feel that it's like oh my god if i do this i'm gonna lose touch with god you know what i mean where it's like you know i had you know i overate a little bit last night so i am going backwards in my spiritual path you know what i mean or just like trying to be absolutely perfect about everything and so it's really been about being able to drop into that compassion into the this morning i was calling it like the the looseness of unconditional love you know what i mean of just like like i don't have to punish myself today like i'm not going backwards like all these different things yeah i love that i yeah i love that phrasing and i definitely say that's more of a pitta because it's blame right i'm trying to blame myself for what i did i'm trying to judge myself for making those decisions and um comparing myself to other things you know when we compare ourselves that means we can easily compare to other people too and what does that come out as that can come out as jealousy sometimes so and like you you know that it's just bringing in that that love and compassion and meeting it with that higher vibrational energy that over time it completely dissolves and it may seem like for some people if you're dealing with that inner critic voice something that I've been working on a lot this past year for my inner pitta healing and it's difficult and at times when you feel like you've listened to it for so long and you've gotten to a place where you don't feel like you're in your truth as much as you have been in the past you're like oh where I was before like I had so much like love and compassion going on and all these other things were aligned and I was vibrating higher and blah 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 it, it doesn't matter right because every day you're getting stronger and going more into the person that you are so you think of that in is the past is being better right it doesn't make sense right it's not linear like that mm-hmm. but when you meet yourself with that love and compassion and over time it gets easier so the first couple of times you may feel forced or may feel like oh i don't feel the weight being released but the more you work on it and you do it it does it begins to ease the tensions you begin to smooth the grooves on the scars that we call in yoga which are um you know the grooves that we are etched in our conditionings and then we release them and then we step into the higher vibration of love and compassion mm-hmm. so well put that's powerful and and you start to see it as like a cycle you know what i mean mm-hmm. like a necessary cycle <laughs> um okay so the final question that i have for each of you i want to i want to ask you what to each of you is the meaning of life? Wow, such a powerful question. I believe the meaning of life is to discover your soul's purpose. And I believe that we're all here on planet Earth for a different purpose to fulfill in our soul. And yeah, it's all about discovering it and really honing in and embracing your authenticity. So that's why when, for example, if we're looking in the lens of Ayurveda and we've been talking about food and diet, if we're, we were to say, oh, everyone should be keto, everyone should be paleo or this or that, it doesn't make sense because you really have to do what you are called to. What is the universe trying to send me? What are the signs? For us, it was signs, physical imbalances in our body that guided us to Ayurveda. And from there, we realized that we love being teachers. We love being speakers. We love being on a platform. We love working with women. And we were giving these little clues along the way, like one step at a time, like being fed 
one little morsel at a time. And when you follow those steps, then you start to unravel and you live a life of purpose. And I don't mean just in your career. I mean this from the moment that you wake up to the time you go to sleep, that you wake up and you're like, oh my God, I'm so stoked for this day. I love my morning routine. I love all the people in my life. I'm so grateful for, you know, my meditation, whatever practices I have. And then it kind of just seamlessly falls into your day, whatever your career looks like. And then even when you go to sleep at night, you're just completely energized and fulfilled from your life that to me is living a life of purpose and i and we're meant to enjoy this earth life we're meant to enjoy things that may seem egoic like luxury and the finer things if that resonates with your soul's blueprint then then go for it so i'm a firm believer in just putting the power back into each other because our soul knows what it wants and when we let it unravel then we get to really live our life how am I supposed to follow after that? <laughs> no, I'd say I'd say ditto to that. And I'd also say putting my own like lens on that. I think experiencing ourselves as creators, that was kind of what you were talking about with our purpose and figuring out what creation means to us. Is it creating a business? Is it creating a family? Is it doing both of those things? And I love the way you described the perfect day, Angelica. And I think it's that. And it's also being able to come to your inner bliss, your inner peace with yourself, even when things aren't perfect. So you gave gratitude for those little things that you could control. But like, even when shit hits the fan, maybe someone in your family dies, you know, maybe you get lost from the job. Like, how can you experience that with, you know, the full spectrum of emotions, but also at the same time, be able to feel within, complete and whole within yourself. And so I think it's really hard to put a word or words to it, but it's like this inner sense of fulfillment, of bliss, um, joy, all of those things that you learn how to create, and then you get to experience the human experience differently. So instead of chasing all of these positive things, you get to show up as you are, being that awareness, and you know, being fully there and present for all of it, and being okay with that. So, mm, yes, yeah. so powerful. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, so well put, you guys, and I really appreciate you guys for being on this show. Thank you so much for having us. It's been such a pleasure. So, right. so grateful to be here. Yes, thank you so much. Um, so listeners, thank you for being here. And I'll talk to you soon.